0: This episode of The Pillar Podcast is brought to you by the 2022 Petrus Development Conference. Join Catholic fundraising professionals in Naples, Florida this June to build the tools and community that make fundraising enjoyable and fulfilling. For more details and to register, go to petrusdevelopment.com pdc22 and use the coupon code PILLAR for $50 off your conference registration.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to The Pillar Podcast, the podcast that brings you great Catholic conversation each week. I'm your host and Pillar Editor-in-Chief, J.D. Flynn, and in this special Holy Week, Sacred Triduum episode of The Pillar Podcast, I am joined by my podcasting partner and good friend, Ed Condon. How you doing, J.D.? Oh, thanks for asking, Ed. I'm doing very well. Um, I'm, I'm doing well, and actually I've, I've been having i I told you that I would tell some stories on the show, so I'll tell them in a little bit but first uh first uh first how
0: are you uh, I'm doing fine i I'm doing fine. It is uh Maundy Thursday as we record this. It is. I am looking forward to kicking off the triduum uh it's It's always a it, Easter weekend is always um i mean it's always a wonderful time, but I mean it really is a stacked schedule. For my wife and I, how we tend to do things like there is pretty much almost every hour of the day is accounted for. I mean, I'll I'll get up tomorrow um, to make sure the newsletter goes out and everything. But I mean, after that, it's I mean, from tonight on forward till the end of the Easter Vigil and then a meal after that. I, you know, I, it's pretty wall to wall and I like it that way. Um, it's it, it is I, I find the perpetual motion helps to keep me in. In the triduum keep me focused, and and I really like that. um It's a, it's a little bit of a bummer because also you know um, Easter weekend also tends to be there. There tends to be sort of family that come through town and things. And I um, I found out yesterday that I've got a, a a cousin and his wife are in town for the weekend, and I'm probably not going to get to see them because between um, all of the all of the Easter stuff, uh, my wife and I are going to be doing. I also have to make a run to the airport. Um, to pick someone up on Friday night, and I, you know, it's it's a very very busy weekend, and every year I kind of wish it was longer and wish I had more hours in the day, and also am grateful for the for the fullness of it, if that makes sense.
1: It does make sense, Ed, and I can appreciate that. I'll, I'll tell you, I I find I find fascinating the fullness of that, um, <clears throat> because I I always find that during the triduum there are certain periods of time in which I am sort of. I feel as if I'm in this strange kind of um, limbo. So, um, you know, the evening of Good Friday, if one is not at a at a, at a liturgical service of some kind. Uh, um, and um, you will find as the child gets older that—and um, should the child be blessed with siblings—you will find that they're— the negotiation about sort of the the liturgical choices regarding the sacred Triduum some, somehow change because the question becomes sort of how much can the children um, endure, as it were. And uh, and so, I always find that there are these times during the sacred Triduum where, like, um, I'm not quite really sure what to do with myself. You know, it's after it's 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 after three o'clock, or let's say after four o'clock on Good Friday. Darkness has covered the the earth. Um, the curtain has been torn in two. Um, we have um m- memorialized that the lord has been um laid in a tomb and uh and then what should i do uh with the with the afternoon i mean certainly i shouldn't flip on a game it seems to me um and uh you know i suppose one can um <clears throat> play uno um but uh i i always feel like on uh, good friday in the afternoon and evening and then on holy saturday sort of during the day i, I feel like the entire day is spent putzing in anticipation of the Easter vigil, just kind of putzing around in anticipation of something that will start, you know, in the evening. And so I, 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 we obviously have very different experiences of the sacred true to but I think I'm probably not the only one with a,
0: with a putzing experience. Possibly not, but you're, I mean, you're right to say it's a strange time. I mean, have, have you, I'm, I'm asking in a sense, have you been reading the draft of my newsletter?
1: I have read the draft of your newsletter. Yes. Top to bottom? Uh, I saw that the end of your newsletter has a long reading that I will read, uh, a long reading from the Office of Readings that I, I will read, but I must admit that I haven't read it yet, but I will.
0: No, I did, well, the reason I asked is because the opening of that homily, which is a homily for Holy Saturday from an ancient and unknown author, is the opening line is something strange is happening. right? And it's all about the being at the eye of the – cosmic storm of salvation that is holy you know on holy saturday that mm-hmm. good friday has happened um easter sunday has not yet arrived that you know christ has descended into hell to free those there and you know what do you what do you do with that what do you you know what is going on right, right now <laughs> exactly like i mean right like
1: you want to want to i don't know maybe cleaning i mean so uh, were i like a better man with a better interior life i suppose i could say well i spend the entire time in holy contemplation but i'm not and also you know if you have children you have children and uh and so uh, maybe cleaning i don't know or something but it's always it's always sort of like well i don't think we should be doing legos right now but i don't should we be doing legos right now and should i be making a lego calvary and uh you know um i don't have enough
0: greens i don't for the (laughs) hill I don't. I don't know about a. I don't know about the, the the relative piety versus. <laughs> I um, know this is the question. A, of a Lego Does my Lego Cowery? construction
1: need to be pious?
0: I don't know. <laughs> um, I I tend to spend a goodish portion of Holy Saturday with my wife, and and I'm sure you're right that this will this will change over the years as the child gets bigger. But at least now that she's you know around six months and still fits in, I can still restrain her in a chair when I want to. Um, we spend spend a goodish portion of the day preparing for the vigil, be, be it dressing the church and you know stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of cleaning around of the church itself that that happens on Holy Saturday. That but you're helps. a
1: better parishioner than I am by a long shot, which is funny because we all know how you feel about the parish, but you are a better parishioner than I am by a long shot. I'm not. I'm because I never clean the church.
0: I well, I don't this don't the only it time do my... get carried away. This is the only time of the year I do it, um, and. It, it again this is not a selfless act on my part it's because i i look forward to the easter vigil every year it is i mean it is the the night of nights it is the it yeah, is the great. apex of our of our liturgical life it is all of those things and i guess i'm lucky that i've spent the last i don't know not my whole life but i have spent well no that's not true my whole life i think the easter triduum has been a big deal for my family um it's just how i was raised and I, you know, we've done different things over, you know, when I was a kid growing up, we had different things that we did at different times. You know, when we lived in um Chicago, um my my family would up sticks for Easter weekend and we'd all go down to the University of Notre Dame and my grandparents and um aunts and uncles and a bevy of cousins would usually meet us there and we would do the room there together as an extended family, which I remember vividly and enjoyed greatly. And you know, we did other things when we were in London, but it, it's always been a big deal and uh, it's one of the great um gifts that my parents gave me was a was an appreciation of of not just the idea of mass on sunday for easter but the idea of the triduum as a as a complete time sure. apart um, sure i'm grateful for that
1: yeah i i i would say that i would say the same is true sort of liturgically and devotionally i just i don't always know uh, in my experience i just don't always know you know i don't know it's a, it, this is a strange time this time in which the tabernacles um this time in which the tabernacle is empty I mean is there anything you know and yes uh, I like on Good Friday late in the night in Good Friday to go to the altar of repose and spend some time there and um, um there's a certain kind of meditative stillness to that but um but this is a strange time and already with this when the statues are covered and um and uh, we're preparing as I say for darkness to cover the face of the earth it's just um yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an un, it's there's a. I wish I were Gerard Manley Hopkins, or I could recite him at will, because there is a sort of. It's almost atmospheric the triduum, isn't it? There's almost a kind of a chargedness.
0: Um, yes, I, in the I, air. I, I, it is. I think the, the sensation of living the triduum is is something palpable that there is a, there is a something in the air, which is I think one of the reasons why I love this this homily for Holy Saturday so much is that it's mm-hmm. the it's it's the writing that um i found the best encapsulates that that sense of there's something tangible to the time and i yeah. i love it as you know jd time matters to me and the passage of time and the measurement of time and um the time is never the concept at all, of time Ed. you can Pardon? never ever leave you know without
1: leaving a piece of you and our lives are forever t- <laughs> do you know what i'm doing there is the days of our lives or something no it's uh, really it's a wonderful... Know. It's a great Smashing Pumpkins. Like, time is never time uh, at all. I, no,
0: can... I was never a Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> guy.
1: never into the Smashing Pumpkins. No. It's really uh, uh, weird. There,
0: there's, a, there's a big bucket of things from our generation that I just totally... Like, Dave Matthews' band, Smashing oh, Pumpkins. Terrible. all Good. They're, they're much of a muchness to me. It's all just kind of like, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> like, songs to listen to if you want to kill the mood on a date is kind of the bucket I would put that music in.
1: <laughs> yeah, but if you didn't... Have a date, then it was songs to listen to while everyone else was on a date so well, and, you know. and there's our difference in high school experience <laughs> in a nutshell that 's right well okay you you've you 've won that one speaking <laughs> of you 've won that one um, uh, this is kind of a this is uh, this being our holy Week uh, special as it were, this is kind of a show a show um, in in which uh, I don't really know what we're going to talk about. And, um, you know, the past few shows we've been talking about any manner of things and we've gotten really positive feedback from people who say they've been enjoying our conversations, that we've have been a little bit more free-flowing and outside of the news. And we may do that, although I promised you I would tell the story of the, um, the Real Housewives. Did I promise you I'd tell the story of the Real Housewives of New York City fight that I saw? Oh, yes, uh, you
0: did. Well, because this is – speaking of dates, you – you you did that thing that you and I often threaten to do, but rarely does any one of us actually do it, which is you said, I'm going to Down Tools for an entire weekend, Friday afternoon to Sunday evening. It's true. And you went on basically an extended date with your wife, which I applaud. I, I did. I, I took or my wife and I, um,
1: uh, but before I tell, but I, I'll talk about this, but before I do, I have to explain something else to you about this show. Um, we have gotten some po- a lot of positive feedback lately, actually, which I'm very grateful for about the content. Of the show and conversations that we've been having and people sort of weighing in and I love that I love engagement, but I have also been chastised. I was chastised by a listener, who posited Ed, um, who posited that I have a periodic tendency, um, or an occasional tendency, I suppose, to uh, to cut you off or to speak over you, and um, and I dispute that. I in fact I went back and I listened to last week's show, and um, I found that in fact. You were more likely to begin speaking before I was done with the sentence than I was likely to begin speaking when you were done with the sentence. And I also ran the time figures and you, and um, we were speaking for almost the exact same amount of time during the show. So I call that into question. But, you know, this this listener chastised me. And when I raised this to you earlier this week, you didn't sort of rush to my defense and reassure me that this isn't true. And uh, and so um, I have decided that this week I'm going to track. Uh, carefully, I, I, I have resolved, um, never again, Ed, never again shall I cut you off during this show. And I'll track, um, if I do cut you off, I'll make a little hash mark. And, um, and you can track, too, so that you can ensure that I'm accurate about this. And if it, it happens that I have um, spoken over you, uh, you know, m- more times than is appropriate, I'll, I'll, give, I'll figure out some kind of a little prize I'll, I'll give you at the end to, as restitution.
0: Well, that's that's very big of you, JD. I I don't anticipate it being a problem this week, since, as you said, we're 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 not operating off of a a slate of topics that um, about which either of us I think has has strong and urgent opinions that need to be given, and I think perhaps. I I don't know I I rarely listen to this show back, but I I have heard that feedback too. In fact, um, other Catholic podcasts have taken uh, entire segments of their shows dedicated to your alleged propensity for filibustering no, me that's and not talking. True. It, I can I can send you some if you'd like. I wouldn't. Um, I don't have the thick enough skin for that. I wouldn't. But like I I I think it is merely because when they're. When, when we are discussing things about which we have strong feelings and um, I- ideas we wish to convey, th- there is that tendency, possibly. Well, there won't be. Uh, the, uh, please allow me to apologize to you
1: in public, uh, in front of the listening audience here. Please allow me to tell you Ed, that any time I have ever um, cut you off or, or spoken over you or in any way diminished the significance of what you have to say on this show, um, I repent. And um, and I firmly resolve uh, to, to interrupt no more
0: well it 's kind of you, but again i, I don't view i 've never taken it as a diminishment of what I may have to say, merely an excess of enthusiasm on your part for the subject matter, and i 've always invited people who' flagged this to my attention to consider that really the conversations that we have on the show are, are to be viewed as a whole it 's not a competition <laughs> that w- we are presenting very often um, a, a composite, an aggregate view. Of, of the two of us, and and it, it it's not a question of scorekeeping. It doesn't matter that you know we are a team. Are you finished?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are a team, and I'm and that's very well said. Now, uh, as you were asking, and again, we're if you don't like the uh, if you don't like small talk, I we're going to small talk for a little while, because some people do. Um, as I said, so at Christmas time, um, my wife and I were driving around listening to, uh, looking at Christmas lights with the kids, you know, as you do, and, and listening to Christmas music on the radio. And my wife said something that threw me for a loop or that I radically uh, misunderstood, dramatically misunderstood, in fact, because uh, we were we were listening to, uh, you know, the Christmas music on the radio, and suddenly we were listening to Josh Groban singing um, uh, Little Drummer Boy, you know and uh Christian. yes sir who is josh groban josh groban is a um a well-known american singer of both christmas song standards and other kind of uh i don't even know
0: how to just dis- i mean i honestly don't Would know he how he fit in the that. genre of sort of um emo boy with a guitar
1: Oh no 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 no! Um, Josh Groban is like Is that a, a kind of
0: Ed Sheeran figure.
1: No, he's a Broadway musician lacking a play. I mean, ah, jo- Josh Groban okay. is a sort of strong. He, he's in the he's in the vein of Bocelli. Actually, I think he got to start by filling in for Bocelli somewhere or something like that. But huh. uh, Josh Groban is our age, but in the vein sort of of Bocelli. But 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 uh, yeah yeah in in that sort of in that sort of you. Universe, you know what okay. I mean? Okay. Thank you. So, okay, so he puts out Christmas albums, and he puts out albums of show tunes, and he puts out albums of sort of classic standards, and then he puts out albums of his own stuff, I think, as well. But it's all sort of that kind of that that kind of thing, right? So, anywho, um, Josh Groban is singing "Little Drummer Boy," and Mrs. Flynn says to me, "Boy, I really like that Josh Groban. I I'm a big fan. I really like his voice." And um and I took that to mean that she really liked Josh Groban and was a big fan. And uh and so I. Thought well, um, you know, there's been a pandemic on, and there have been there's been precious little live music in in our lives. You know, we often go to concerts and stuff, but there's been precious little live music in our lives. And so, let me see, um, you know, if Josh Groban, who apparently my wife is a big fan of, is coming to, to Denver where we live. And I looked, and uh, he isn't. Josh Groban has had not been touring and had not planned to return resume touring, um, but he was going to do um, in April three shows at the Radio City Music Hall. And uh, and I thought, well, my wife is a big fan of Josh Groban, apparently, and uh, and you know she works hard with these kids, and she deserves a break, and so um, I will get her two tickets to go see this Josh Groban, whom she loves, and uh, and I'll tell her, you know, take a friend, go go, you know, go to New York and see Josh Groban at Regis Music Hall, and take a friend, and I'll watch the kids. And so I bought you know these tickets, and I gave them to her on Christmas, and she kind of opened them up, and she said, well, well what what's this? Why would you think I want to go and see Josh Groban? <laughs> I said, well, you love Josh Groban. And she said, I, I do? And I said, yeah, you told me. She said, well, I did love that, that Christmas song. <laughs> and I said, oh, <laughs> well, but, you know, she, she wasn't giving up on New York. She said, but I'll go. I really like, I'll go. I'm, I'm, I'll go. I'm there, you know? So, uh, okay. So, um, you know, this is, I sort of whiffed on that one, but. But then my wife is very, very kind, and she says, "You know, I'd really, really like to go with you." I mean, that's the friend I'd like to take is you. And I thought, "Wow, that's very beautiful and very kind and, and good." And I'd like to go with you too. And uh, it, we don't, we have not traveled very often together by ourselves because we have had some trouble finding um, people who can watch the kids. I, I, our kids have some particularities, as I think you know. And so, um, so my sister agreed to watch the kids, and this was actually going to be like the this was gonna, this was the first trip that we took as. Um, you know, in our marriage, just by ourselves since really the kids were born, you know, so it was cool. And um, you went to New York City. We went to New York City, which I love New York, and we both love New York, and it was cool, very great, and we 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 had a heck of a weekend. But it was all sort of centered around my misunderstanding of the words. I love Josh Groban, um, and uh, and so J- the Josh Groban concert was fascinating. At because Josh Groban's target demographic is effectively, um, uh. I I want to say this diplomatically. Josh Groban's uh, target uh, demographic is effectively women of a certain age and their um, begrudgingly accompaniment husbands and uh, accompanying husbands. And so –
0: Are are we now of a certain age? We're
1: not. We're we're not. We're we're still – Josh Groban is our age and he's sort of like – Josh Groban's fans. Josh Groban's our age, and uh, and and his fans are sort of like, oh boy, that young man is so sweet and so handsome, and his voice is like <laughs> butter or a dream. And uh, and so Josh a Josh Groban concert I learned is effectively Josh Groban singing beautiful songs with a beautiful voice, um and uh, and then sort of hamming it up for his grandma, and uh, his grandma just eating, you know, eating out of the palm of his hand, effectively, and Josh Groban. Oh, I learned can effectively say or do anything at a Josh Groban concert and uh, the women who are there because they're in love with him will find it endearing and beautiful and cute. And so he just yucks it up for two and a half hours and sings some nice songs and he had some guests come and he had a marching band come and Cindy Lauper was there to sing a song which was really surprising. Um, pray for Cindy Lauper, by the way. It was not my impression that she's doing well. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just this sort of Extravagance of josh groban yucking it up singing some songs and uh and then running through the crowd from time to time and uh and the and people were i mean i mean you would have thought we were at a jay-z show i mean people were just ecstatic and i mean just it it was amazing it was the best people watching that i have had in quite some time mrs flynn felt the same way and
0: i'm glad that it provided. a good shared experience for you, even <laughs> yes. if neither one of you were actually as keen on Josh Groban as perhaps previously advertised.
1: Well, no, but now, now you're wait, now you're now you're Grobanites or whatever. Well, I don't think we're Grobanator. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, no, but I would definitely, uh, I would definitely see Josh Groban again because the Josh Groban experience, uh, as it were, uh, it really oughtn't be missed. It's really, it's 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 really something remarkable. That, yeah, and, that uh, and that was sounds, my...
0: I mean I will not go to a Josh Groban concert and I'm absolutely not going to New York City if I have <laughs> the opportunity to take my wife away for a weekend but I this I I enjoyed um I enjoyed hearing about that and no the story you were going to tell and perhaps we we don't want to trespass on our listeners attention too much but Perhaps you could tell it succinctly because I found it fascinating. Was the, <laughs> did I not tell the Josh Groban story succinctly? I'm sorry, that's one interruption. Did I not tell the Josh Groban story succinctly? That's two. Uh, no, it's not that. I just I I don't want us to accidentally just do half an hour of of the of the chats. I think we're
1: getting close.
0: I know we are. No, but what I, the reason I knew you were having fun in New York and I had forgotten that you were going away for the weekend is because. Well, I, I guess part of me, when you said that, that's what you're going to do. I just assumed you didn't mean it um, because- <laughs> <laughs> that I was going, but that I would be working. I still, yeah, obviously.
1: <laughs> in, in fact, Mrs. Flynn said to me, she, she, like we were getting ready to go, and you know, I said, "I'm bringing, I'm bringing my computer in case there's an emergency." And basically, like. My shorthand is I basically say and – and you do this, too. And if you're in Catholic journalism, you just have to think about these things. So what I said to her is I'm bringing my laptop in case the pope dies, right? Because if the pope dies, we've got to get to work. Right. And, uh, and the point I was trying to make to her is so that's the only kind of emergency that could pull me away. But Mrs. Flynn, knowing me, said, like, well, you know um, – if you want to work a little bit in the mornings, it's okay. I, you know, I, I mean, she was being very generous, but I resolved not to, and I, I, I endeavored to keep that resolution, so I didn't really do much.
0: No, and I, I, I applaud that. And no, but the reason I wanted to hear the, the desperate housewives of New York tale was because I mistakenly interrupted your weekend with. Um, a a, a tart observation about something I read in a, in another publication and wanted your, (laughs) wanted your opinion on, and you sent me back a picture of a a plate of food. Uh, And, and I, that jogged my memory to realize that you were in New York and you were dining out. And, you know, I was interrupting your, your perhaps one nice meal out with your wife. And I, and I apologize for that. But then you went on this long kick about how they had put provolone in with the, Oh, it was with, really. I was really frustrating. I already nice Was it prosciutto wrapped line. or was it bacon
1: it was, wrapped? It was, was so wrapped. Um, big, wrapped uh, rabbit line, yeah. and uh, it would have been delicious except there was this weird piece of prosciutto hanging out in it that just. Yeah.
0: Wait, there's a weird piece of prosciutto, or there's a weird piece oh, excuse of pro- me, there's a weird piece of, 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 of uh, provolone,
1: provolone in there. A uh, uh, provolone right. cheese in there. It had nothing. Okay, it was and, doing and nothing.
0: I and I listened to this tale, and I sympathized <laughs> with you broadly. This is, I would argue, the wrong the wrong meat, or the wrong dairy component for this particular animal, and this particular preparation. I don't think any cheese belonged on that plate, actually. And no, I, like I, I wouldn't necessarily either. But anyway, so I heard this out, and, and I, I understood this to be pretty much the, the, the highlight of that meal, if not your trip. <laughs> and lo and behold, you start tweeting about having seen some sort of full on crazy person dust up in the restaurant, and... I was I was a little annoyed, frankly, JD, that I got forty minutes on the provolone and I didn't hear a word about <laughs> elbows being thrown and glasses being smashed in the restaurant. And I, I just feel like I got shortchanged. That's all. Well, what happened was that's fair.
1: What happened was uh, okay. So we went uh, we went to a restaurant and, um, and and it was a nice restaurant. And um, uh, you know you had to make a reservation. You had to make a reservation through this online reservation system that indicated when you made the reservation that um, parties of two or more would be asked to leave their table after two hours and parties of three or more would be asked after two and a half hours whatever there, that there would be some need of sort of vacating the table because the restaurant needed to turn the tables over it was a very small restaurant and you know they, they need to make money so you, you had to check a box actually that said you agreed to that so my wife and I were seated in a kind of um Exclave of the restaurant, this little sort of tent thing out on the sidewalk, which was really quite lovely, and uh, and it's not true.
0: It's not lovely to eat on the streets of no, New York City, it, it, but carry it was on. because it, um, okay, it was. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just interjecting from time to time. Oh, That's fair. my role in this.
1: Fair. So, uh, wow. So we were. You asked for the story. So we were. Uh, we ate out there, and there were only four tables out there. You know, and so we could hear this table right behind my wife. This these two ladies who were there just. Complaining about the, – while they were eating, they were complaining about very many things. Their children, their jobs, their husbands, um, their dogs, their Peloton, all of the things. They were just complaining, you know, the whole time. And it was kind of just – you know, we weren't
0: eavesdropping, but you could hear them. And as yeah, the they, they, are, flowed, they are complaining at a table next to you in New York, so of course yeah. you could hear them. You could probably mm-hmm. hear them from the table in the restaurant next door, I'm sure. P- probably, yeah. So
1: uh, – okay, so – Uh, The maitre d' comes up to them at some point and says, well, I need to ask you to leave the table and, um, you know, I'm so sorry we have guests here. And this one lady says, uh, (laughs) we'll get up when we're ready. And the maitre d' says, "Okay, but just, you know, I have the next reservation here, so I need to ask. And she goes, well, we'll get up in a few minutes. And when the maitre d' walks away, the woman says, can you believe that? Oh, my God, I've never. I've been eating in restaurants in New York for this long. You know, blah. I mean, just on and on and on. F in this, F in that. And, uh, you know, so. Ten minutes go by, and the maitre d comes again and says, "I'm so sorry. I have another ta- party. I have to give your table, so I need you to, to um, you know, start heading out." And she says, "We will go when we're ready." And then again, f this, f that, f this, f that. So uh, another ten minutes go by. The maitre d comes and she says, "I'm sorry. You have to leave now. You agreed that you would, you know, need to leave the table at a certain time. You haven't. I I need to turn the table over. I have other guests waiting outside who are waiting to come into the restaurant. You need to leave." And uh, she starts telling her off. The way the woman starts telling off the maitre d', I, I, I've been in, going to restaurants my entire life. I mean, a very New Yorker. I've been going to restaurants my entire life. And, this, you know, I, I've never experienced it. That accent sounded Southern. But I've never experienced anything like this. And I can't believe it. And who the F do you think you are? And who the, you know, who's going to tell me that? And do you know who I am? And da, 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 which I didn't know who she was. She wasn't anyway. Um, she's someone beloved in the eyes of God. But I didn't recognize her from TMC. So this other, at this other table, this lady goes, uh, Hey, would you keep it down? We're trying to eat over here. And uh, then the main, you know, the protagonist of the story goes up and she goes, excuse me? And who are you, miss? And then she says, like, well, we're trying to eat here. And all you can do is. P-. And then she says a swear word. All you can do is. P-. I don't um, know
0: that I'd count that as a swear word, but OK.
1: OK, so um, so pretty soon before you know it, these two women are standing up in each other's faces. Fingers out. It's real housewives of, of, of New York City just. And, you know, and, and finally the protagonist is like, oh, I don't need this. I, I I, don't need any of you people. And Storm's out and, and her dining companion is going along behind her. And then so the woman at the other table goes, uh, goes, uh, real nice friend you got there. You know, so then they leave ah, and it's a little bit... Irony. Deaf. Right, exactly. Cutting. It's a little bit... So the, the woman's husband says, uh, uh, well, uh, you know, it's got a little tense in there. I hope you hope you guys enjoyed the entertainment. And I said, uh, well, I thought you were going to punch her. And, you know, they had a laugh and we had a laugh and they had a laugh. And the maitre d' came out and she was so apologetic that she brought – she comped our drinks for the whole meal. And then she brought us all shots of this Greek liqueur and we had a drink and we mm-hmm. all – it was a great camaraderie actually after that. It was a really lovely, you know – That's, the, that's the, great. The I decor. hope
0: – that the the obvious epilogue to the story is that when it when the major D arrived with your check that you paid it tipped well and then, then stayed ahead. at your table until <laughs> they came and told you they, they need to turn the table over and you said I'll leave when I'm damn good and ready
1: <laughs> I'll leave when I'm ready No we you know be it not wanting to uh, incur not wanting to impose any more stress on the major D I suppose um, or Mistress D I really uh, got out when we um, got out when we were ready to get out
0: I. I'm anyway, fascinated it was real to New hear York, this as a New human drama, and I will be honest with you, J.D., this is what I assume just normal human interaction is on a minute-by-minute basis in New York City, which is why I don't go there. <laughs> well, I don't know. Ed? Hi.
1: We have been following for the past few years... Um, the story of money transferred from the uh, the Holy See uh, to oh, Australia, yeah. wired to Australia. Um, uh, you may remember that last year um, there were headlines from other uh, publications, not our publication, suggesting that um, – Tens of millions, I believe, had been transferred. Uh, no, no, no. Actually, billions. unaccounted 2. for. Two point three. Yeah, thank you. Billions. Unaccounted for billions. Two point three billions had been transferred from the Holy See to uh, to Australia, um, and that Austrac, the Australian financial watchdog, had had recorded this and had no record of it, and it might have been used for money laundering and very many other things. And then it turned out that was actually something of a clerical error, and two point three billion hadn't been transferred, wired from the Holy See to Australia, but two point eight million had been wired from the Secretary of State to uh, a company in Australia, and we reported that, and in fact, we did some digging into it and identified the company and these kinds of things. Um, but there has been curiosity about what that $2.8 million authorized by Cardinal Angelo Betchew to be sent to an Australian company during the trial of Cardinal George Pell was for, and some people even speculated that Cardinal Betchew had intended it for nefarious purposes. This has been something discussed in the Church and in Catholic media, that perhaps I, Cardinal Betchew tried I, to interfere in the trial of Cardinal Pell with this money. But this week... There were some new developments
0: that is true. I would just say as a as a point of clarification um, it was actually the Italian secular press that was the origin of of this especially lurid speculation that I think it was uh, no i'm i'm ninety nine percent sure I'm correct on this I think it was Fataco quotidiano. no it was Corriere del Serre it was Corriere um, who actually wrote in print. Um, the speculation that the the money could have been for the paying off of false accusers and witnesses against Cardinal Pell in his trial in Australia now um, as you say we've been following this particular I mean we followed in the course of the last few years JD not only have we followed carefully the Vatican financial scandal and attendant issues but we also followed Cardinal Pell's trial uh, very very closely we covered it very, very closely um, to the point where we got some nasty letters from the court in Australia about how closely we were following it. Um, so we've had our eyes on this for a while. And I I think we've both been clear on the podcast. I know I certainly have in the past that this never really struck me as a plausible use of the funds. The idea that um, the Holy See, and in particular Cardinal Becci, was just, you know, wiring millions of dollars, Australian dollars, um, to to pay people to falsely accuse Cardinal Pell, I mean, parenthetically known, Cardinal Pell was falsely accused, albeit only by one person, um, struck me as, as somewhat implausible and and not in the style of the people in the Holy See or in the Secretariat of State or even in Cardinal Betu himself or in people in his immediate... Or it doesn't sound like their style. Yeah, not um, the
1: world of Cardinal bettu's universe. That's not how they do things.
0: Yeah. Uh, but anyway, nevertheless, uh, it was because the... The act, well i mean it wasn't an accusation nobody said this is what happened it was just um, but, in the
1: air the speculation was in the air
0: well it was in the air and on the page i mean newspapers were printing this as speculation saying it's possible that and right. so once the question had been asked it seemed reasonably pressing that we try and figure out what it was for and at different times cardinal pell has broken cover to say this is an unanswered question and i for one wouldn't mind having this matter put to rest and having a clear answer on why this money was sent and what it was for um because i don't understand and i've been given various excuses and explanations for it over the years and none of them are true in fact they're usually pretty obviously not true and so i i have a lingering question about this and it seems there was a <laughs> well, well we'll we'll get on to where this story appeared first and why in a minute but there appeared uh last weekend a a news item on a, on a website that suggested that this money may have gone for the purchase of a so-called top-level domain name uh, on the internets. Which is and like that- .com or
1: .edu or .gov. Those are Indeed. well-known top-level domains. But a few years ago, the internet regulators effectively allowed for more and new top-level domains to be
0: Indeed. registered. And in this and case, the that one this- of interest is .catholic. Exactly, they said that you know the Holy See uh, was was purchasing the dot Catholic domain, and they were sending the money to this company in Melbourne, Australia, to arrange the purpose, of, to arrange the application and registration of all of this with ICANN, which is the sort of international um, organization that handles all of this stuff. It's based in L.A., I think. It's uh, certainly in California, one way or another. And and they said this this is what it was for and we have a document that proves it and the document that they have that allegedly proved it was a letter in support of the acquisition of the dot catholic domain from the australian bishops conference in support of a bid by the um pontifical council for social communications um i don't know that i found that document to be quite the smoking gun that uh, the, the, the people who first reported this claimed it to be, but it was enough that we, you know, well, that's, that's an interesting theory, not one we've considered. Let's look into it. And so we found the, we dug up the application files for the registration of dot Catholic. We, we read the application. We read the supporting materials. We found the letter from the Australian bishops conference. We found a similar one from the USCCP. We even we found, found a an, price list. I mean, we found a pretty
1: good price list, not only of getting these things,
0: but of maintaining them, like it the yes. fees that you owe to the. Yes. yes. And the process that one would go through to register, for example, dot Catholic, but also the equivalent of dot Catholic in different languages, Cyrillic, Chinese, Arabic, um, things like that. And, um, you know, it, this is this is back of an envelope maths, but I would say the numbers, broadly speaking, add up. It's at least plausible. We don't have receipts that suggest that this particular company was um, using this amount of money that was sent to it by the secretary of state in this period of time for this. But, you know, we we do know this company uh, in a previous iteration, it's been acquired a couple of times in recent years, um, was I mean, representing the Holy See. In and we know that the Holy See bought the thing. We know that the Holy
1: See bought the thing, right. owns the <laughs> thing, maintains the thing, dot Catholic. Yes. We know what it cost, and, and then dot Catholic and Mandarin and Arabic. So we know what it costs to get it. And yes. We have an idea of what it costs to me. We know they probably it seems we found a draft ten year contract. They probably have a ten year agreement. We know what that costs um, we uh, We can add all that up we don 't have as you say sort of signed receipts, so we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of evidence but not sort of conclusive proof that every that all of this money was for that purpose, but it sort of adds up
0: yeah and it yeah. it seems uh, it seems the most plausible explanation for it that I have yet heard. Which is lovely. Every mystery solved is um, one less thing we have to worry about, and you know, I we have we have reported on um, this company, New Star, and these money transfers to it, uh, not infrequently. Well, no, infrequently, but uh, whenever there's something to report, you know, I think we've checked in on this story maybe two or three times a year uh, since it since it first came across our radar, and the reason for it being um, Cardinal Betu has has been. I would say extremely aggressive in his denials of this having anything to do with the trial of Cardinal Pell. He has been from the moment this sort of speculation first appeared in the Italian press and yet it kept resurfacing. So we kept reporting on it and we kept trying to figure out whatever it was there was there for us to figure out. Um, And so to, to have that closed now would be nice. Uh, But the timing of this story is very, very interesting as is the manner of its appearance and, and it raises a lot of questions the story itself raises a lot of questions if this was what the money is for it's um it's a puzzle in itself albeit a different one
1: yeah it it seems in some ways it seems in some ways that that means that cardinal Pachu uh it was it was a uh, it seems to indicate that the money was not being used for nefarious purpose. The question that it raises, and for a very ordinary purpose, a very reasonable sort of legitimate purpose, of course the church would want to have that top-level domain. It makes sense. Um, it's not clear why Cardinal Betchu would have said that the money was um, being spent for something that has to do with um, with state secrecy, right, that it was a highly classified matter, a state secret, that uh, what the money was for, especially when he was facing, you know, Serial allegations of using the money nefariously, and even a brother cardinal asking, "Well, what was the money for?" Um, it's not sort of clear, uh, other than sort of Cardinal Bejus' pr- predilection for regarding matters as, uh, as, as, as relatively speaking, state secrets, um, why he would do so. And and in a certain way, if if what it is is just a reflexive tendency to regard, you know, to say these things are state secrets, it points to the challenge of overcoming. I think a kind of um, a kind of a. Uh, Clericalist. I'm not saying this is true of all clerics, but it's true of the phenomenon of clericalism—a kind of clericalist sort of approach to the dissemination of information, which is to say, well, what do you need to know that for? If this is a secret, um, w- without even any consideration of that—a sort of, uh, a sort of aversion to um, to openness that can that can inhabit sort of clericalist circles. And 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 should that be the sole reason why Cardinal Bachu said it was a state secret? it just reminds us that overcoming that for a sort of cultural transformation in which there's far more sort of openness about the governance of the life of the church, which Pope Francis has said he wants and which the USCCB have said they want and which every ecclesiastical official pretty much has said they want really does have an uphill uh, an, an uphill, um, road to hoe, as it were. Um, because, uh, because if it's just kind of reflexive, what do you need to know that for? I, you know, everything's a state secret except on a need-to-know basis. Um, we see the scope of, um, of the problem of, of approaching anything that resembles something that you might call transparency or, you know, accountability, even with regard, you know, with regard to finances.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, Cardinal Betsu had called this, uh, called these transfers and transactions, um, state secrets. He called them classified, you know, all of this stuff. And which is somewhat curious, arbitrary. I mean, he decides that. Yes. Well, I, you could make an argument that um, if you work in the curia, you sign, um, a document that basically says you will keep confidentiality sure. about the things you work with, um, but in this case, there's talk about pressing public scandal. I mean, the, when the only time Cardinal Betu has said this is classified and I will not talk about it because it's top secret and it concerns high matters of state. These are all things he said. Was he said at first to us when we went to him for comment when all of this stuff was floating around in the Italian press? And I, we we went up to his lawyers and said, "This looks." ridiculous and we see the cardinal saying this is you know outrageous and slanderous and scandal-mongering and total speculation and no basis in fact and we said yeah, Great. we've never thought the Cardinal paid off. Can you we, please yeah, right, tell us yeah. what it was for then so right, that we can mm-hmm. kill this? So then we yeah. can just put it to bed. Right. And they said, absolutely not. It's totally top secret. And it's like, right. well, that does have a tendency to fuel extra speculation, you know? Yeah,
1: and it really – it's, it's, that's right. I mean, I, I had kind of forgotten that, but it's true. I mean – it is true that we had never thought that this was a, uh, you know, a, a reasonable idea that Pell was, or that uh, Betchew was sort of trying to influence or pay off people in the Pell trial. It just didn't make, it's just not, Occam's razor suggests otherwise in a, in a million ways. Um, and I had forgotten that we had gone to Betchew's attorney and said just, well, what was it for then? And I forgot that we had been waived off as directly as that. But yeah, I mean, it's just weird. But the other thing that, uh, that the, the other set of questions that this raises is that the, uh,
0: what you might call the Perlaska problem. Isn't that Right. right? Yes, the Perlaska problem, because the the second time that anything was said about uh, this from Cardinal Betchew is when, in December, when Cardinal Pell mentioned in an interview he gave, uh, he said, I, I would like to know what this money is for. I don't know what it's for. And Pell has repeatedly said over the years that he doesn't think and would hate to think that it could be for the sort of, you know, wildly outrageous accusations that were floated in the italian press but he said i i I nevertheless would really like to know just so that we could answer the scandal of this and move past it and get it off the table i suspect and i don't know because i've never actually spoken to Cardinal Pell, but my suspicion is that he would like to stop being asked about it (laughs) as much Mm -hmm. as anything else. And so he said, I wish, you know, I have only one question for Cardinal Betschew, which is what was the money for? And he said, I've been told variously that it was for different things and none of them are true. And he specifically mentioned that Monsignor Alberto Perlasca, who used to run the administrative office and secretary of state and is the prosecution's sort of star witness in the current trial, including against Cardinal Betschew, Apparently, Perlaska has told prosecutors in the past that the money that was sent to Australia was for Cardinal Pell, a contribution to Cardinal Pell's legal defense, which Cardinal Pell said, and he would know. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was for right. nothing of the kind. I received right. no such contribution. I, right. I suspect he'd welcome it. I imagine his legal bills are pretty hefty after that ordeal. Although I suspect that Cardinal Pell has supporters who have paid off his legal bills. But sure, I, I'm sure he would have welcomed the money. Um
1: but anyway, short. so but,
0: he asked, and at that point, um, th- this then raises the question, if this, if this was for the purchase of domain names, why would Perlaska say it was say for that. something else right. that it manifestly wasn't for? That doesn't make any sense either. And if Perlaska is engaged in – now, I mean, I want to I caveat this, J.D., because what we know of what Perlaska has told prosecutors has been uh, very carefully curated. Right that it has been, we have been treated to a series of leaked segments of video footage, and in some cases, just audio footage of Perlaska's hours and hours and hours of conversations with prosecutors and investigators. And those leaks have been targeted. Those leaks Mm -hmm. have been very selective and very carefully curated. And they were warned about at the Mm -hmm. beginning of this trial back in July last year, when the prosecution said, don't make us give over the whole raw footage because this will leak and it will involve a bunch of off topic stuff that has nothing to do with this trial and is totally other to the charges that are being brought and it will touch on other criminal investigations that may be ongoing let us just deposit the parts that are relevant to the charges that we have laid and the arguments we'll be making in court and the defense team fought against that and eventually won and the prosecutor said all right fine but this is going to leak and handed it over and lo and behold it started leaking and it's been a steadily dripping faucet ever since so we don't actually know what Perlaska said about this, particularly in the context at which it was asked, and all of that. So it appears that's what Perlaska has told prosecutors it was for. Certainly, Cardinal Pell thinks so. Certainly, Cardinal it does, Pell it thinks raises so. raises
1: questions about why Perlaska is yeah. saying that. But we, more interestingly, for me, JD, hold on. No, please. I would like to hear what's more interesting than that. Ed, after a word from our sponsors.
0: It's not easy being a Catholic fundraiser, but two of the things that can make it a lot easier are having a good community and the right tools to work with. That is absolutely
1: right, Ed. And that is why Catholic development professionals, whether they work for parishes, campus ministries, Catholic high schools, any kind of Catholic apostolate really, should head down to the Petrus Development Conference 2022, June 13th through 15th at the Naples Grand Resort in
0: Naples, Florida. You can register at PetrusDevelopment.com PDC22. And if you use the code PILLAR, all capitals, you'll get $50 off your registration fee. And the first 10 people to register in the month of April will receive a $40 airport shuttle voucher. Ed, this sounds like a really cool
1: conference at which one can build community with Catholic fundraisers and hang out in a cool beach location.
0: It does seem like the sort of thing that people should do.
1: And we're back. Thank you for joining us for the Pillar Podcast, the podcast that brings you great Catholic conversation each week. And thank you to our sponsors for that message. Ed, you wanted to say a little bit more about Cardinal Bacheu and his two million dollars.
0: I I did. I I can't begin to tell you how hard it was for me to hold this thought <laughs> when when we went into the break because we were actually talking about something else um, for a few minutes. Ago. Ed and
1: I, t- Ed and I, during the commercial break. Had a had a different conversation about
0: a different thing. We did, and uh, it, for me to actually manage to hold on to the one point I wanted to make to finish this topic, I I'm very proud of myself. I'm proud I'm not of you too. Did to you do, do
1: it, that. or are you stalling right now?
0: No, 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 I I did it. So no, the I only other thing I wanted to mention was that the timing of this is significant. Having not responded to questions about. Uh, this particular transaction with new star in the past, including what we asked him directly and asked him directly for the purpose the, the stated purpose of saying so that we cannot talk about this ridiculous stuff that's in Corriere or wherever else anymore. Uh, or when Cardinal Pell wrote to him um, having, having not discussed all of a sudden this story floats up now. Why now? And why on a, I mean, I follow, J.D., the life of the church pretty carefully. I follow the comings and goings in the Vatican pretty carefully. I yield to no one my obsessive consumption of every word and detail that can be found anywhere to do with the current Vatican financial trial and attendance scandal. I will concede that I will concede to you on that. I have never heard of this website before. And all of a sudden, this sort of English version is called the Daily Compass, has this strangely detailed and pointed um, story suggesting that this was for the purpose of the purchase of the dot cat, the top level domain, and I found that fascinating. How did they Wait a come? You've to- never
1: heard of Lenovo Bosola Quotidiana? No. Oh, well, we pick stuff up from there every once in a while. It's no, not but a I'm big saying, player,
0: I, I, okay, I'm being hyperbolic, but I. Oh, okay, okay. I just wanted it's to make not, sure it's it not is a not big a. Re- they are not regularly breaking news on Vatican right. finances. My point, right? Right. This yeah. is not a story I would have expected to see there. It, it, Agreed. It, there was I just to make needed. sure that... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Why now? Why there? I, I have no proof, and I would not want to suggest that I do have any proof that this particular story was leaked to that particular publication uh, at this particular time by perhaps someone currently on trial uh, in... Vatican City. But I do think it is interesting. I would call it a significant coincidence that this story floated up a week after Pope Francis dispensed Cardinal Bacchew from the pontifical secret in relation to evidence he is expected to give at the trial in Vatican City. Um, I wonder, and again, I'm musing out loud, I wonder if this um, doesn't herald the first of several stories that will be that will suddenly pop up in unexpected places on unexpected topics that appear to uh, dispel some confusion around the financial affairs of Cardinal Betsu over the last several years. Um, I I think it's interesting. I think it's worth noting that when Pope Francis, so Cardinal Betchew gave evidence in in mid March uh, in front of the judges, he answered questions and everything. We talked about it. And he gave this sort of assertion of innocence. And then he said, okay, now that we've talked about the accusations that pertain to me effectively embezzling church funds to members of my family, which he strongly denied, he said, I can't talk about anything else because it's all pontifical secret. It's all super secret. Couldn't possibly. And the judge said, that's fine. Thank you. You are dismissed. Please come back uh, in, in a week or two. And we will have clarity from the Secretary of State and Pope Francis on whether or not you are. bound by the pontifical secret and all this, and Pope Francis said, No, he's not. He's free to answer any and all questions. And suddenly his uh legal team found a scheduling conflict mm-hmm. for the Cardinal. That's to, right. That's right. Is he needed out a little of, time, it seems he's yeah, I'm I'm surprised that they found a scheduling conflict. I I'm. I'm not otherwise aware that Cardinal Vечiu has a busy schedule right now. He doesn't, for example, have a job or
1: an assignment. Uh, I mean, he has faculties, so maybe he's on the confirmation. It is confirmation season, Ed. Maybe
0: he's on the old, the old chrism trail, as they call it. Right, but that would have been that would have been set already. I mean, the date was previously agreed and announced All with the court, I and it was it's only... also a
1: weekday uh, in
0: the morning. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I haven't uh, been to a lot of weekday morning
1: confirmations
0: no so it, it it was curious that his that his team suddenly discovered a scheduling error once the pope said no he's mm-hmm. free to answer any and all questions and they said well we're going to need another month you're going to have to reschedule and push this back a month which mm-hmm. the judges did and uh i have often thought and it's actually been an analysis i've been meaning to write but i keep pushing it for other things that are more pressing and time sensitive uh, to write about what cardinal vecchio probably tends to intends to do with his month off uh that he's you know i think would be well advised to take the time to revisit his courtroom strategy because I think it's pretty clear that for the last seven months, his strategy has been, I can say nothing and I will say nothing and you can't make me. And that's no longer the case. And so he's going to have to decide what he's going to say, what questions he's going to answer and how he's going to answer them. And I think many of those questions will not necessarily be on issues perhaps quite as out there as there's some of the speculation on these new star transactions they will touch on much more pointed things like the claim of his former quote unquote personal spy Cicilio Maragna to have compiled dossiers of compromising information on the moral failures of senior curial officials for cardinal Betchu. things like that and i wonder if the if the month between now and when he next appears at the beginning of may uh, won't won't see the ground being softened slightly for, before his appearance. If we won't see other similar stories uh, appearing in, in different I Italian that will be the case. media I outlets it will. Uh, purporting to show that there was never any trouble in any of this, and this is all a put-up job, I I would be fascinated to see it. But, of course, more interestingly for me is as the questions from the judges perhaps get a little bit closer to the bone in all of this, and you, you know, not talking about some of the more wild accusations right. that, by the way, aren't in the indictment anyway. Um, as we get closer to those questions, I wonder what else Cardinal Betchew might be minded to say. Because, and I know this from having spoken to him myself in the past, uh, prior to the trial, but certainly when the, the the Secretary of State's financial scandal was in full swing, Cardinal Betsu always I been think very the clear. The last to tell. time we talked with Cardinal Betsu was a, what? Um, Oh, the last time I, I
1: talked with Cardinal Betch, was in in June of last year, I told him we were coming to Rome and asked him if we could have dinner. And he also, he had a scheduling conflict at that moment as well, but he was extremely apologetic. But I think you were talking with him around the same time about some of these things right before the indictment.
0: Uh, there was that. I mean, I actually, the last time I heard from him was, I think, about two months ago when I printed a story about developments in, oh, in right, New Star. Right, 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 and right, he right, wrote right. to tell me he was outraged that I continued to right, cover right, the right. story. And I reiterated my previous invitation to please just tell me what the money was for and I will print that immediately and you know yes, we, yes, yes. Uh, and he <laughs> declined. Anyway, um, but I know from having spoken to Cardinal Vecchio in the past that his his mentality with regards to discussing what goes on in the curia is fairly absolute. It, I would say it is a kind of bureaucratic omerto. You you just don't say anything. And I wonder to what extent he will consider the Pope waving the pontifical secret in his case, as he's facing charges to be a kind of betrayal. I don't think that I think the chances that Cardinal Betsy will view this as having been thrust out of the tent and left on his own uh, to be not zero. I think it's very possible he will take this as a as a betrayal and, a, and an abandonment by the curial service that he has repeatedly said, and I believe him to be sincere in having said it, dedicated his life to serving. And if he decides that he's on his own and all bets are off, he might tell some very interesting stories. And he might contextualize, for example, matters around not the... Um, the accusations around the sort of final part of the london deal and the genuine tortsy stuff because that that pertains to his successor archbishop pina Parra and things but how they first came to be investing all of this money which was borrowed um in in these suspect investments in the first place i wonder if he won't have some interesting things to say about well People did know what I was up to. People did know I was authorizing it. In fact, it was their idea, or they authorized it too. And, you know, I wonder if this isn't going to end up touching uh, secretaries of state, personally, uh, current and former. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Cardinal Betchew ended up um, having a lot to say about the the role of Cardinal Periline in this, or even Cardinal Bertone, Periline's predecessor, whose tenure was, shall we say, not completely free of not completely financial financial scandal right its own set of financial scandals that's right indeed so i i think this is all this is all to be all to be seen but i i suspect this is not the first story of this kind we will read before may 5th when the cardinals do back in court and i suspect we will it will it will be must see tv when he's back in court i i really am interested to see how that goes
1: yeah, it's really interesting because, um, you know, n- now that Cardinal Pachu is willing to answer questions about things which are relatively simple, uh, you know, I- in a certain way from the perspective of uh, that that sort of speculation about the um, what was done with the money. I mean, it, we're the first ones to say uh, uh, that there is a set of things for which Cardinal Bachu must answer for, and yet at the same time kind of um, uh, speculation beyond reason about – um, you know sort of trial payoffs and these kinds of things um, is is not is not fair um, to him' is not just and um, and at the same time was preventable and you know it 's interesting that uh, that now he he clearly has no opposition in principle um, to explaining these things because now it is happening um, but uh but had he done it before, I wonder kind of what would have what would have um um I wonder if things would have. I mean, he he would have been indicted because of the very clear evidence of uh, you know of the things that uh, that that he should be indicted for. Um, but um, I wonder if he would have better recovered um, th- the truth and the integrity of his reputation on things which he's been calumniated for that are not true. If he had been willing to do what he's willing to do now, then
0: yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I. Right. But I mean, again, this is the, and this has certainly always been true from the scandal right through to the trial and. It was true, and Cardinal Becchi said as much, albeit I think he took a different um, view of it than I than I would in other people and certainly the prosecutors do in his first round of testimony, which is so much of this trial is about culture and what is accepted and what is expected and what is done regardless of whether or not it's in the best interests of the church or the Holy See um, or the faithful or anything like that. And you know, I think what we are going to see in this trial, and this is you know it feels like it's been going on for forever but it hasn't you know the trial proper has been going on for basically a month and a half at this right. point point. Yeah. and there's a lot there's a lot of time left on the clock here i think one of the things we are definitely going to see over the coming months is a very uncomfortable spotlight being thrown on the sort of office culture of the secretary of state and that i think is gonna is gonna generate a lot of these questions over and over again
1: and and explain some of the reason for the kind of um, financial consolidations um, uh, that the Holy Father was keen to do in Predicate evangelium. I just mean I, th- I mean just make more clear, I think why some of the uh, some of the consolidations, some of the budgetary requirements, some of the changes that are contained in Predicate Evangel- evangelium are actually probably a first step towards curial reform rather than a be all end all of the whole to do.
0: Yes. Well, curio reform has no has no end
1: has no beginning and has no end. It's true, um, but there's a, but I think even by the time predicate is implemented, it, it will be clear what a next round of things will look like. I mean, part of which is just clarity about who, the um, in whose inter, who in whose interest financial administration is undertaken, what it means or what it doesn't mean to be a, fiduciary, a fiduciary, to have fiduciary responsibility to the Holy See. Um, how. An ordinary conception of fiduciary responsibility, which is, which is correlated to, you know, sort of um, maximal fiscal efficiency, is assessed in a context in which sort of moral, clear moral, there are clear moral obligations with regard to the administration of temporal goods. I mean, all right. of that. But,
0: but even looking back, I think what, oh, sorry, I've interrupted you. I, I beg your pardon. No, please. It's perfectly fine. Right. In fact, I'd like to hear what you'd have to say um no what i was going to say is for me the the litmus test of the of this trial and and i have to say the competence of the prosecutors is going to be their ability to simply press home the case that laws were broken there's you know there's all of this sort of you know speculation about you know conspiracy and all these lurid allegations about you know extortion and prostitutes being offered and spies and all this sort of stuff which is great if you're writing godfather four but I the, the, there are basic in the in the course of the last ten years in the Secretary of State it is pretty clear and I've heard it from the mouths of senior officials up to and including Cardinal Periline and Cardinal Betchew at different times that laws were broken right. that things that were express- actually up to and including the Holy Father. Well, I haven't heard it from his mouth, but I mean, well, I mean, he
1: said it. We've watched. He him has said it, it. but
0: yeah. I mean, okay, to me. um, That, for example, when APSA advanced a commercial loan to the secretary mm-hmm. of state to bail out right. a hospital right um that was a violation of vatican law that was a violation of moneyval agreements that was a violation of european bank like the laws were broken and everybody just kind of looked at me and I said what's your problem it was for a hospital and it's like but the law was broken mm-hmm. that's that is the definition of corruption and especially of financial corruption, is when you just wave away the fact that something was illegal on three levels because, well, it was expedient. It's what we wanted to do. What's your problem anyway? And it's the same kind of mentality that led to the IOR being pressured to refinance the 150 million euro mortgage on this London building. It was like, well, who the heck are you to say no to us? We just told you this is what we want to do. So do it nasty little banker man otherwise we're going to bug your phones and or right. and hire some italian spooks to dig over your private life right like i laws were broken and right. that, you know the rest of it is just you know we'll make we'll make a great film adaptation but i i would like to see the letter of the law prosecuted on this
1: yeah agree absolutely
0: great well you're all worked up now and it's
1: monday thursday so you've got a i know you've got to take a walk and there's a bobcat there's a bobcat outside of ed's house and so he's staying inside because he doesn't want to be attacked by the bobcat is that right you were telling that's, me before the show
0: that there's a bobcat outside. Uh, no, I was saying that because I we only record this podcast for an hour and change one day a week. Um, there's always something that happens outside my house. For and right exactly now the bobcat. I mean that's when... yes of the mechanical kind, JD. The the sort oh. of mini bulldozer thing.
1: Oh come on. Yeah, you it's told digging. me bobcat.
0: No, my uh, we have some new neighbors across the road, and they <laughs> they um
1: the bobcat.
0: No, their their driveway. I don't think this is them uh, sort of affecting immediate cosmetic change to the house they've bought and moved into. But I I think there's some problem with the gas get, line or something. The sewer they, line. Yeah, that's I think that's what it is. Anyway, they're digging oh, up that's their driveway. The worst.
1: It's so expensive. Oh, that's the worst.
0: Well, it's also really inconsiderate if your neighbors trying to record a podcast. <laughs> but.
1: That sewer line replacement is the worst. Everybody's got to do it. I had to do it in a house. I'm going to have to do it in this house. I'm going to pray for your neighbors, and uh, and I hope you can be charitable to them and to their Bobcat, um, because that's uh, that's that costs so much money, and it feels like you shouldn't have to do it. it feel it's just oh, it's infuriating. What costs the money? Well, um, a, a very large hole, a very large trench has to be dug. In this case, uh-huh. um, through the driveway. And right. uh, which means, effectively, the driveway needs to be replaced um, or okay. or repaired shabbily, right. um, and then a large bit of pipe needs to be extracted. And the pipe is uh, sewery, and and so they charge a premium because they're extracting
0: a pipe through which uh, a so broken fair. pipe through which sewer stuff. I float. guess what I'm asking, JD, is you you strike me as a as a can-do sort of dude, now, and and, now and I wonder the, if part of you wasn't tempted to just hire a jackhammer and 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 start the process yourself save them the initial excavation oh
1: have you ever dug a very long very deep <clears throat> trench yes and as you probably know then it's the
0: worst yes i mean yeah, there's no. a reason we use it as punishment in some prison systems
1: right exactly no i i i have i have done almost all home renovations that can be done by a guy with a can do attitude and a drill i have you know done a lot of demolition work i have replaced all manner of bathroom fixtures i have done tile work i've done cabinetry replacement and i don't really even know what i'm doing but i do it anyway i've put up fences and taken down fences. any number of bits of home repair i've done to save a buck because i am a cheap cheap fellow but uh but every aspect of this sewer line replacement project just stinks now what you can do to forestall it is <laughs> I don't no, why we're talking about this but what you can do to forestall it is to rent from home depot a very large uh a, a snake a drain snake not the kind that you have at home just for like a clock but a, a large one that's pneumatic and uh and clean out the sewer line you know every six months or something like take the toilet effectively off in a ba- in a or or use a if you have a drain line in the basement or, or a clean out even better but if you have a clean out you probably have done this project already so you don't have to do it but you can forestall it um but it's inevitable that if you if you live in a, a house that was uh, where the sewer line was put in before the pipes were PVC, and is, there's a clay pipe there, you're going to have to do it, and it's going to cost you a bunch of bunch of bucks.
0: Well, <clears throat> I learned. Which something is why there. I'm
1: grateful for uh, the sponsor of this week's episode. This episode of the Pillar Podcast was brought to you by the 2022 Petrus Development Conference. Join Catholic fundraising professionals in Naples, Florida this June to build the tools and community that makes fundraising enjoyable and fulfilling. For more details and to register, go to PetrusDevelopment.com slash PDC22, PetrusDevelopment.com slash PDC22, and use coupon code PILLAR in all capital letters, PILLAR in all capital letters, for $50 off your conference registration. And Ed, it has been great uh, talking with you and... um, I hope you have a great Holy Week.
0: I hope you do too. Enjoy the well, triduum, a great JD. triduum. We're having a Holy Week. Yeah,
1: yeah. I have a blessed triduum, and dear listeners, we will be praying for you and for your families and for your parishes uh, and for all of those um, you love and for uh, all of those who you love and who are faithfully departed. Have a uh, have a blessed triduum. Christ is risen. The Pillar Podcast is a production of Pillar Media and and JD Production. I'm your host and Pillar Editor in Chief, JD Flynn. I'm joined by my podcasting partner and Pillar co founder, Ed Condon. We'll be back next week for an extravaganza Easter week episode of the Pillar Podcast.